0: Good day, hope you're having a fantastic day today and thanks again for tuning into the Collective Evolution podcast. Um, I'm your host as always, Joe Martino, the founder of Collective Evolution and uh, you know this podcast here that we're going to be getting into today is going to be a good one that covers a lot of the, kind of the stuff that we get into a little deeper here at CE, um, diving into consciousness and, and the science behind it and you know what it really means to us at the end of the day when we you know kind of explore Um, the deeper meaning behind, you know, so many of the things that um, we've kind of like denied through materialistic science, and, and you know, there's obviously this rise of post-material science that's happening today, and um, we're going to talk about that a lot with uh, a fantastic guest, actually, that I'm excited to have on the show and talk to. Um, one of the things I did want to bring up just before we get into that, though, was um, if you haven't rated and, uh, you know, commented on and shared this podcast, please do so. Um, it's truly helpful to us uh, in terms of iTunes getting, um, you know, more exposure, plus hearing feedback from you guys, you know. So I'd love to know what is it that you love about the show. Uh, any you know feedback in terms of you know what you'd like to see in terms of guests or anything like that. Um, what you're getting out of it, all that sort of stuff. Um, feel free to jump on iTunes and uh, rate and share your feedback. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, but today we're going to be talking to Natalie Trent. She's um, she has a PhD in neuroscience and she uh, did a postdoctoral uh, research. She was a fellow actually uh, for postdoctoral research. Project at Harvard, where she was exploring a lot of the mind and body practices that we have and how they impact, obviously, ourselves, our well-being, our lives, all that sort of stuff. Um, on top of that, she's also uh, has a Master Reiki Certification. And what's so interesting about bringing all that together is and you'll see in this conversation is that you know she's a very um uh, i want to see you know the data the research the results but at the same time so much of you know what happened in her life and what in her life and what uh pushed her to look into this stuff um was direct experiences with things that were non-material with intuition with you know things like premonition or things like energy work and all this sort of stuff um and it and it provides a very very interesting balance to have someone who's Who's, you know very scientific in the sense of looking at things but then at the same time having the developed abilities or the de- developed um you know non-material side to be able to explore this stuff in a deep way and you're going to notice that we got we we had a lot of fun in this conversation we talked about a lot of interesting things um but her experience in both of these fields uh really comes through and shows like you know, kind of a fantastic side to this whole thing and really lets us realize that there's way more to us as human beings than just, you know, sort of the meat suit in our brain and our minds, um, as well as our entire world. So we're going to jump into this episode. Thanks again for tuning in and hope you enjoy. So Natalie, welcome. Happy to have you here.
1: Thanks, Joe. <laughs> that's,
0: that, that's all. Um, tell us what you're up to right now. You know, what are you, what are you working on?
1: Okay, so I currently work with Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health. I just finished up a five-year postdoc at Harvard and Harvard Medical School. So my research revolves around spiritual practices and providing scientific evidence for their validity and also um, the positive benefits. So like health, psychological, um, physical health, social health. Um, and so currently I look at uh, yoga, Reiki, Mindfulness, um, and also do a little bit of psychedelic research as well, and so all of this is geared toward um, what's called
0: post-materialist science. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, that's a good point you bring up in terms of like you know, normally from a scientific perspective, a lot of the categories and things you just mentioned are sometimes seen as woo-woo or sometimes seen as out there or you know, mm-hmm. you, you can't touch that. It's that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, What led you into studying this? Like, how do you, you know, were you assigned as beforehand? Like, how did this Mm -hmm. happen?
1: Yeah, so um, from a young age, I was always focused on understanding truth. So I was raised in sort of a tumultuous um, scarcity kind of environment as a child, which um, compelled me to ask questions, to understand the deeper meaning of reality. I understood that, like, the way that my family was operating was not right and there must be more to life than this kind of um, experience and so I went within a lot and I was very introverted very um, quiet um, even didn't speak for years but (laughs) this going inward really helped me connect with um, a greater spiritual reality and I felt like I had support system or um, a spiritual family or that I was from some other location and this is a very young age um, and so I was motivated uh, right off the bat to understand the truth about existence. And so the typical way to pursue this is through education. So mm-hmm. um, so I was really interested in life. So I studied biology and psychology, and I ended up getting a PhD in neuroscience, which is sort of the blend of those two things. Um, and I quickly realized um, that all of these experiences that I was having, so um, psychic dreams that I experienced or messages from um, discarnate beings or just in- intuition and just this deep knowing that there's more um, was being completely ignored in science and not only that but ridiculed um, and so this sort of division grew in me of of practicing these spiritual practices and connecting um, with uh, other, other beings and and then seeing the research and the science and seeing how they're just saying all of that is basically BS. Um, so for a while I was living in kind of these two minds. Um, and then during my PhD, I, um, a friend drove me to a yoga class actually. And I experienced yoga and that introduced me to a lot of the spirituality of the East. And for me the practices that come with those are very profound and they've been developed for thousands of years. Um, So very quickly on, I realized that there was something really important about doing these spiritual practices that were transcending uh, the materialist view. So um, something is clearly going on in the brain and the body when we're doing these practices and when we're connecting with um, greater energies. And so I realized, oh, (laughs) why can't we scientifically investigate these spiritual practices? Like even on the basic level of how is this affecting our well-being? Really important question. Um, and when I, when I realized this, um, I quickly, I, I took a walk through my town and I saw Mario Beauregard's book, The Spiritual Brain, in, um, in the window of the bookstore. And I thought, oh, this is like a lovely sign that there's some other scientist that's mm-hmm. studying this stuff. And so I connected with him and uh, we've been involved in a lot of projects since, including um, post-materialist science and the manifesto for post-materialist science. And so that's where I am today. I'm studying Um, A lot of these practices, um, trying to figure out the physiological uh, and mental correlates of these of these things and also um, trying to find ways of validating these experiences um, through um, validations of I haven't done any mediumship studies myself, but that's an example of validating information coming through mediums through a third party in triple or double blind uh, protocols in, in a way of Assessing is information received through these spiritual practices um, accurate, and if so, then what does that tell us about reality? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a it's a big area. It spans a lot of research and um, There's more and more scientists now that are coming out of the post-materialist closet, so to speak <laughs> <laughs> And are losing the fear of studying these things because when you when you mention your interest to the conventional scientists, they'll, they'll scoff and ridicule and say, oh (laughs) Don't study that pseudoscience, (laughs) right? So it's like how's it pseudoscience if we're using the scientific method, right? So it's the programming this materialist programming that we're we're trying to change and transform uh, Through this research.
0: Absolutely, you know, it's interesting because you know, C's in it's nine and a half well, we're nine and a half years old as you can say and the word pseudoscience began to show up, oh, my God. I mean, it's been around, obviously, for quite some time, but it began to show up, in, as you can say, in, in the common person, uh, using it online, using it on Facebook, mm-hmm. in response to articles, I guess, you know, that sometimes make us uncomfortable, right? Because that's yep. where a lot of this stuff comes from. We see information that doesn't line up with what we currently have in our mind, and we go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that word started to show up a lot when talking about you know, uh, for example, when we would report on, uh, you know, Hartmath's work or something like yeah. that, or yeah. even Dean Radin's work where, you know, you're looking at a lot of these things that get into, you know, whether it be paranormal, whether it be new, supernatural, whether it be intuition, whether it be mediumship, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the you know, the more that you look at this and the more evidence there would be, the more, like, aggressive the pseudoscientific, you know, just dismiss it with pseudoscience, exactly. dismiss it with pseudoscience. Exactly. And... Um, you know i i guess it's like it becomes one of those things where here we are in nine i guess you could say it was probably would have been about seven years later because you know in those first couple of years is when we really started to see it come up and here we are seven years later and It's still used, the term pseudoscience, but the overwhelming acceptance or openness to this message or to this content and to this sort of stuff is is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, How long have you been studying, I guess, this space? And have you noticed a, you you mentioned more and more coming out of the closet, Mm -hmm. but have you noticed a very different shift in the way you can talk about this stuff with other scientists?
1: Absolutely. So when I first decided that I wanted to just study meditation, um, that was about, I'd say about seven years ago. And one of my colleagues said, this is the person that said, oh, Natalie, don't get into that pseudoscience, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which uh, shocked me because he's an intelligent guy. So this is a a mindless response. And there are fierce defenders of this program because it's it's how they have viewed the world. And when you question their program, you got their like whole life is going to unravel. But within the last 10 years, I mean, the research on mindfulness and meditation has just exploded so now if I went back and talked to that same person, he would probably feel pretty silly because it's like the hottest thing in neuroscience and psychology right now. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, so mindfulness has opened the door to yo- yoga research, yeah. Reiki research, and I have noticed a big difference in speaking with people just over those last seven years. And I think it's it's the younger generation primarily um, because of social media. I really think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so collective evolution has been like tremendously important for this. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely sure. Um, so people are doing their own research. Um, yep. They can go online. They can dig through studies. They can. Y- you guys do incredible reports about research. So it's accessible to people now. Yep. So a lot of research has been closed off. You can't access papers unless you're part of some institute. And mm-hmm. so there's a movement towards open science as well. So yep. let's make it available to everybody because sure. it's no longer this archaic system of like the elite can know about this stuff and and then they police themselves absolutely
0: and (laughs) so what's so weird about that just a note on that is like the idea of and and I deal with this all the time I'm I'm very passionate about health in the sense of like assisting people one-on-one because there's so many different things that you can talk about everybody's dealing with health issues for a number of different reasons and so it's one of the areas that I'm very passionate about and It's interesting because people will sometimes be like, oh, well, you're not a doctor, you're not trained in this stuff. And it's like, well, what differentiates me from a doctor per se, right? And it's like, and you can apply this to uh, many of the sciences. Now, there are certain sciences that require very, very specific training and very, very specific hands-on work. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, especially from an informational point of view, a lot of these things can be understood and explained by, you know, if there's uh, reading a few studies, Mm -hmm. uh, a number of studies, Mm -hmm. but really just staying with this work over a period of time. And, and I always say it's like you can get an education these days through Google and YouTube and a very good one. You use your intuition. Absolutely. You understand what's going on. You you know, you know corroborate sources in, in different ways. And it doesn't take eight years to mm-hmm. understand a lot of what a doctor knows per se, right? Now, this isn't to discredit like the actual title of being a doctor. It's more so the idea of, we need to almost we're in a day and age where we almost need to let go of the need for a title in order to have an understanding of something, right right Because right. it's so available. Yeah,
1: but how would and the and I totally agree with that. It's all available and it, it's really incredible how much we can learn online now. Um, I guess the the issue would be how would you prove that that person has the information, right? right? So um, that that can totally be done. I'm sure we can figure out ways that that we can do that. But, for instance, you guys, I mean, um, you're able to, because you're in media, you're able to look at all these studies and and really come up with a good picture make it concise create an article about it and a lot of the researchers they don't even know what's going on from Mm -hmm. what you're reporting because they're so busy studying this one receptor subtype in the insula and spending like 30 years on that and then they don't really see the big picture so you guys have a really important role of synthesizing all this research and presenting it to the public because it is understandable Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and i always say like you know if you're if you're trying to make your your research and your ideas technical and complicated you know you're in the wrong <laughs> yeah. in the wrong intention there it should be easy to understand and if right. you can't make your research easy to understand then you don't really understand it yourself right. in a deep way yeah. so i'm definitely of in favor of everyone having access to this information it's about us mm-hmm. about the world it's really important and the more that this opens up, the the less likely that this materialist uh, program can have any hold on society anymore.
0: For sure, yeah. And I mean, I I, I had an experience. I, I have a question on this, and and you know, we're gonna bring up a couple of names here of. of I guess you could say. You know, some people call them shills. You can, there's so many ways to look at them. At the end of the day, they're people, right? right? And this is the interesting thing I'd like to get into. But I had an experience where uh, I had a I had a journalist from more of a mainstream sort of scientific website. I, I didn't really know at the time. Um, but she came to interview me at her office, and we spent, you know, two and a half hours together. Uh, it was actually a friend that I had known in the past. And um, we had this interview together, and, and everything was great. And, like, you know, it, the publication is called inverse and uh she you know she she did this whole interview we're talking about a number of different things and um she seemed very interested in all these things and at the end of the day even wanted to know like hey what are some books that i can read on this i'm fascinated about learning how i can feel better in my life and the work you're doing just seems so good and this that whatever and uh i left that whole experience thinking wow that's great and then she went back to you know to new york and handed it to her editor and like it the first copy came back and i'm reading it and i'm going um What is this like you know what the hell is going on here and then she's like oh by the way i'm getting michael Shermer to do uh you know his side of it in the sense of he's going to be another person that you're you're he's going to i'm going to be asking the same questions that i asked you to him and he's you guys are going to be back and forth on each other and i'm like i'm like okay great here we go it's it's the the denier of all deniers the skeptic of all skeptics you know founder of the skeptics society Mm -hmm. um which we can talk about a lot there i'm sure we can get into but I'm like okay, and you know his his end result, and he, I, I will say he seemed kind about it in the sense of of what he what he had said at the end of the day. You know he just kind of you know chalked it off as, as you know we just don't have an understanding of you know kind of science and we don't know what we're looking at in terms of the data and so forth, right? And so. I was like, okay, and I I don't remember exactly which study he was referring to, but it was something in the space of, you know, looking at, I think it might even have been like energetic medicine and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing Mm -hmm. in in the realm of like homeopathy or something like that. And um, so anyway, that prompted me to look into Shermer more. And I noticed that TED, the, you know, the educational video, whatever you, I don't know what their Mm -hmm. acronym stands for Mm -hmm. off the top of my mind, but I've always had suspicions that there's there are a bit of a front for a lot of uh, you know materialistic science agendas and so forth, absolutely. GMOs, Monsanto, and therefore, absolutely. <laughs> and I noticed he had a couple years in a row of TED talks there that where he was like one of the big dudes talking, and him very similar to Bill Nye's Netflix show.
1: Wow, There's the is... <laughs> whole conversation there, right? <laughs> well, let's talk about that.
0: But in his two. Um, in his two uh, TED Talks, Michael Shermer here, he essentially debunked various subjects via just making fun of it. Right. No the science. The
1: weakest argument possible. Absolutely. Yeah. No
0: science, no proof, no nothing. Just going and making you feel stupid for considering or believing yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. And, I, you know, I got to know your, I guess... perspective on you know people like that that whole culture and Mm -hmm. what's going on like you you have to see that but being in the space like what do you think when you see a with a a major skeptic that Mm -hmm. people you know respect having that kind of power of using absolutely no science going back to pseudoscience here Mm -hmm. their arguments are pseudoscientific yeah yeah it's it's incredibly
1: unfortunate does like a great disservice to us but I just can't help but laugh and roll my eyes at these people because, like you said, their responses are insulting the the other scientist or the individual, which is the weakest argument ever. In fact, it's not an argument. (laughs) You're just ridiculing. And and a lot of other scientists that would have studied this stuff, they do respond to that, and they don't. They don't study it because they're afraid of that ridicule. Absolutely. But you have to have a bigger vision, and you have to let that ego side go, um, because you are going to get ridiculed because you are fighting a paradigm, a paradigm that has the support of all these corporations, because the materialist paradigm is, you know. All, all that is is material, so you might as well accumulate a lot of material and buy a lot of stuff and focus on on you know plastic surgery and looking good and all of these things. And so, and the pharmaceutical industry works off of this as well. Um, and the placebo effect of antidepressants and pain medication is incredibly enormous, and they try to suppress this information all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an example of mindless programming, where I mean the response is not to investigate to to try to understand or or receive more information it's just to push it away and the motivation of which I'm not entirely sure if it's complete ignorance um just being a jerk wanting fame <laughs> um or or what or really believing what they're saying but I, it's it's the type of person that's like Oh, you know this and this study came out. Oh, well, that's bullshit. It's like, right. oh, did you read the study? No, I don't have to. <laughs> I, I know it's. Know. I know it's crap. It's like, yeah. no, you don't know, and th- you're not intelligent when you're <laughs> saying that. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a pain, but I, I really do believe that that'll be a thing of the past quite soon, um, and it's just kind of the the shadows of the old way and the, mm-hmm. the clinging to the old paradigm and. Um, It's pretty rare to find someone who's younger even in the sciences that will be adamantly Aggressively defending materialism yeah. today, yeah. Um, especially with the cultural shift toward all these spiritual practices, um, measuring these changes in the brain, seeing how our gene expression changes for the better when we practice meditation—I mean, the evidence is so clear, and it's just accumulating. So very soon, these people are just going to look incredibly ridiculous, yeah. and they're—they're—they're they're, they're banking on people that are ignorant. They're banking on an ignorant population. Mm-hmm. So the more that we educate. Um, the public, the more we can change the public's programming for the better so that they don't really feed into that um, To that anymore. So I do think it's shifting, um, but they're they're incredibly annoying Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) And
1: they're not skeptics, you know, I consider myself a skeptic I don't do anything. These practices are, are based in evidence, not only scientific evidence, but my own experience It's like, oh my god, I just had this incredible experience and it's been validated because you know, whatever. Maybe it's a psychic experience or something. Um, and then I see the, the data. And so it's an informed way of living. Right. Um, and so that's like so important. And so I consider these skeptics pseudo-skeptics or cynics. They're, they're not skeptical. They're not looking at the data. They're mindlessly programmed into an old outdated paradigm that is dying. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Absolutely. Did you hear about uh, Michael Shermer's experience with the uh, the radio that he shared in Scientific American?
1: No, I did not.
0: So I I didn't fully investigate the the aftermath. I, I loosely investigated it, so I know some of what happened, but I don't know um, how badly he got peppered for this. But in essence, what happened is he uh, he had a paranormal experience. Okay. For firsthand for himself, and in this Scientific American article, he actually started to talk about how uh... well let me just first say what the experience is w- what happened was is he was he was getting ready for an event or something and if i don't remember all the details here i apologize but um he, he was getting he was getting ready for some event or something like that and um It had something to do with I believe his wife's grandfather and she had uh, or he had passed on and um, you know they were getting ready they were talking about you know kind of reminiscing and all that sort of stuff and then um, uh, a radio an old radio started playing and it (laughs) was I believe it was uh, the grandfather's radio or it was a song that was very very tightly related to uh, the grandfather Mm -hmm. Um, this was years ago so and I read this article a while ago so I don't remember all the details (laughs) but he he immediately like they both looked at each other and they're like what the heck and you know they went to the thing and the radio wasn't it was broken it wasn't even working (laughs) any longer right and so suddenly he's like i don't understand like blah, blah blah like what's going on and like he's this is a guy that has spent his life right you know like it or not um scientifically looking at things and and being what he considers a skeptic and all these sorts of things and all of a sudden he has this experience and he says it shook the absolute core of his Mm -hmm. beliefs and he had this experience posted it up online and i'm just starting i I read it and i'm like holy crap this was only like a year after i had my little run-in with Shermer and i'm thinking oh my god like this (laughs) guy is having a shift this is great. You know, maybe I'll reach out to him and say, hey, you ready to talk, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I started looking at all the comments on the article and he's getting just mauled wow. by the scientific community because, oh, you know, the, the thing in the radio was probably working the whole time. It's just there was a little corrosion and the corrosion probably fell off and everything started working again. and all these different things, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, that whole story disappeared. Like it, I'm not. Mm. I'm not saying it disappeared off the internet, but it disappeared. the as of like, no one talked about it anymore. It's like he got ripped apart, and that was it.
1: So he got a taste of kind of his own medicine. That's right, and got scared.
0: Uh huh.
1: Wow. And right. and you would hope that that would shift him, right? Absolutely. I'm like, oh, this is what all these people have been going through that I've been attacking yeah. for years, and instead he tucked his tail between his legs, maybe. For sure.
0: <laughs> and he even said, it. I remember he said in the article, he's like, the amount of people that I made fun of. And I said, there's no possible way they ever could have had experiences like this. He's like, I've now had that experience. And he now looked at, he would say, I thought the article was great. Um, And he's like, I now look at all of those people in a completely different light. Mm -hmm. Because he now understood more about what they're doing. So... I mean, I still have a curiosity personally as to like whether or not he's closet hiding what yeah. he feels and believes yeah. about that, but um you know, we we talked a little bit about Bill Nye. You you've seen some of the
1: I saw, I think uh, maybe the first episode and it was just like the whole time like, "Oh my god. Oh, my, are you serious? Oh my god." <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a what a propaganda piece that and sure. he's not even a scientist no, like to not. begin with. So, and I saw him insulting pretty much everything that I <laughs>
0: I've <laughs> ever looked into. In <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so through um, s- through scientific method as well. Your what you believe in.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I think the good thing about that terrible show was that you really saw the backlash publicly. Uh-huh. I mean, so many people. I don't. I don't know a single person that was like, "Oh, it's a great show." And they were all like, "Holy shit, it's this is the thing. worst show ever!" And he's not a scientist. And and I guess it got canceled. I think what happened they they didn't renew it or something
0: I don't really know what happened I I thought it was um, the timing of it was interesting and and it's something I'd like to get your sort of perspective on um, as I drop a marker on the floor (laughs) Um, but it's you know it, it came out it was called Bill Nye Saves the World yeah Interesting title. This is during the rise of a massive level of interest in things like, you know, consciousness, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, UFOs and crop circles and stuff like that were huge on the radar. They were, you know, even talked about in the media and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, GMOs were reaching their height, vaccines, reaching their height of, of people starting to pay attention. And all of a sudden saves the world you know in the title and he's just mocking all of these things
1: yeah it was so gross it it was really a gross gross
0: show for sure really gross and you know from your perspective why do you think you know that show was made because obviously there's industry funding there's so many reasons but you know well it's it's
1: it's great that it was made in one sense because it shows that we're having an impact yeah that there's this movement going on that they now have to address Mm -hmm. they can't just ignore it anymore because it's taken off it's got a life of its own so and you know you're not going to disconnect everyone from the internet now and sharing information so so they had to create this i don't know who sponsored the show but it was clearly a propaganda piece to try to like rebuttal all of the stuff that that we're culturally shifting towards for the better Mm -hmm. these are these are things that are only going to help us i mean concerns about gmo food is coming from a place of wanting good health absolutely you know (laughs) and a safe
0: environment exactly
1: exactly so i think it was absolutely disgusting really um when he directly mocked um individuals that that believe this way and it was clearly a tactic to reprogram people. Um, that may be on the fence, like, oh, is this stuff real? I'm not sure. And it's specifically our age group, because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I watched Bill Nye when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, yeah. I thought it was great. And it may be part of the reason I got into science. I don't know. But so they specifically targeted the audience that I think he had um, when when we were growing and up.
0: And the audience that's arguably, I mean, this isn't obviously 100%, but that's shifting a lot exactly. right now in the sense yeah. of like you need to pull that audience back
1: yeah and i think it was like a colossal failure Mm
0: -hmm. in the end (laughs) yeah
1: so i don't think that did i mean stuff like that just reinforces when you know who's behind all Mm -hmm. of this stuff and and you know the money involved and and why they're trying to keep all this stuff hidden um it just reinforces that okay we're going in a in a good direction here we're actually making changes and making an impact and so um gosh though what a disaster that <laughs> sh- was that was just hilarious Absolutely. almost like i mean could have been a parody of like, I, it remember,
0: I remember i <laughs> remember one scene where all in one go they i don't remember they tried to debunk like ufo's uh uh t- something having to do with psychics, something having to do with crop circles something having to do with vaccine <laughs> like literally all in all one in one, little one like, quick little segment <laughs> and i'm like you got to be kidding me <laughs> it's <like> so obvious <laughs> it's so bad
1: i don't i don't know who falls for that yeah. anymore like really and and debunking ufo's i mean whether or not you believe the US military and think that they're benevolent or not but that now they're releasing that absolutely. UFO videos so where does that all go like right. in the garbage mm-hmm. like <laughs> now yeah. they've now admitted it so absolutely um, yeah I think like all of this is just a good sign that we're headed in like a, a really positive direction mm-hmm. and that we're making an impact and um, I mean it's happened quite we've all put a lot of work into this but it seems to like the fruits are coming like it's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. it's it's incredible mm-hmm. Um, and fruits are great things i love you love
0: fruit. fruits so good so <laughs> especially good. mangoes oh yeah oh yeah I, I tropical fruits i'm definitely into uh <laughs> i eat probably four five six bananas a day nice bananas my go-to yeah it's yeah. the only one that's like always available easy peasy bananas yeah hopefully you know have you ever heard the thing about how they gas them because they're not ripe enough oh gosh i i, I always wonder like i get organic yeah so do i i hope i got that's, that's the best. Best. yeah i gotta look yeah into it. but it's crazy they throw out like half a fruit because it's ugly i know it's ridiculous it's unbelievable unbelievable and then i remember there was a i think a company in france if i remember correctly had uh, had kind of like stopped that whole fiasco yeah, and they were France selling... Is doing pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah, and they were selling like, quote unquote, ugly fruit for a discounted price. Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, like, have you ever like pulled stuff out of your garden? Like, sometimes it looks a little funky, but it's amazing.
1: Right, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so what a ridiculous culture.
0: <laughs> that's it, that's all. So we, we just digressed into fruits. fruit and vegetables for a second there, but... Um, I was going to ask you about, I've lost my train of thought because we went into that. What was that rant? What just happened? What? Um, it was, oh, Jesus. How does the, this uh, The shift. The, uh, oh, the yeah. The fruits of the shift. Yeah. And we were talking about um, sort of like how, um, you know, you have like fake news, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when you mentioned that like it was working, like the, the seeing the Netflix show. All this movement is working. It's starting to gain. You know, I, I, I felt the exact same way about this whole fake news thing following the mm-hmm. 2016 presidential mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. You know, for the first time, the person that bought the entire U.S. media lost
1: <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Shows you the power of, of social media. Right. Absolutely. And labeling it like that fake news, I think, was really... Helpful Uh, because a lot of us I mean we've been you know sharing on social media. This is not true and here You know, but we haven't had like a phrase like Mm -hmm. fake news. Yeah and now, I mean, now uh, the whole public is kind of like, well, what's real, what's what's, what's real not, what? not? So kind of like shattering their view of like just accepting the mainstream news, which mm-hmm. there are countless examples of that being completely false, fake, and manipulated for whatever purpose, mm-hmm. owned by corporate interests, you know, the, the whole deal. The
0: whole deal, much, <laughs> much like scientific studies can be. Exactly, exactly.
1: I mean, yeah, If y- for instance, doing a Reiki study, it's like, who's funding it? Oh, the Reiki Institute's like, oh, conflict of interest. It's like, okay who's funding like the trillions of dollars of pharmaceutical studies like <laughs> pharmaceutical industries oh
0: conflict oh. of interest like but but no 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 but they're no, saving no, no, people's no. lives
1: <laughs> it's like what do the reiki people want like ultimate power and money no yeah. no no
0: yeah. it's interesting and i i don't know if this is still active now but is it still a case i'm not again i'm not sure if it's uh, limited to certain countries but um the gmo research cannot be published unless it has been passed through monsanto first
1: Oh, gosh, I'm not sure, but I honestly would not would not be surprised of that. And to bring back TED, too, I mean, they, they released a statement. Uh, you know, Rupert Sheldrick's talk was banned, mm-hmm. and he was addressing these materialist dogmas, and a few other talks were banned. And then they released this statement that they were not going to have any talks about GMOs, right? period. Any talks about the neuroscience of something, mm-hmm. or the science of spirituality, or anything. Right. So they're just like, I mean, yeah. clearly... Some yeah. kind of i don't I know it's
0: just shaking it <laughs> funny story our, our old office was at um, was at the Kingbridge Center, um, which is like a uh, uh, retreat center that's a little bit north, but it's more of a corporate retreat center so It's a little bit north of where we are now here in uh, just north of Toronto um, and when we got there and we started to set up the first thing we learned was back in the 70s there was a Bilderberg meeting that was actually oh. held at the the place right this is a huge 120 acre property right and we just kind of the one of the people that was running the place at the time she was quite into consciousness and all that sort of stuff so she was kind of privy to you know we said hey we're looking for a new office space you know the how's this gonna can we use your cert your third floor and um long story short the guy who owns the place is really good friends with one of the guys who founded ted and mm. uh we ended up, in a very weird way, sort of getting, you know, booted from the place. Oh. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with our, you know, the content we were producing, what we were mm-hmm. representing, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I, I, the 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 guy didn't want to have his his prestige and what he had built from a scientific perspective. He was a founder of Boston Scientific, right? So here's like this, you know, big time thing. And and all of a sudden we get this really awkward, like, yeah, you know, we need to kind of, you know, do new things up there. And, you know, we can, next thing you know, we got booted from the place. Wow. And being, <laughs> having an intuition, you start to realize there's something more going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I found it interesting because even his position as a friend of, of one of the guys who had founded ted his position was that he didn't even agree with a lot of the shit that they were doing mm. um at ted and, and a lot of it kind of felt a little politically pressured right? right and and that's the question is like in science you know how much is it politically pressured <laughs> tremendously
1: politically pressured um i mean you got to have funding right and so a lot of the research I've done, I've tried to do in a way that I haven't needed funding. That's how I've gotten around it. So you'll you'll find a lot of people that maybe want to do a study on, on Reiki or psychedelics or whatever. And they're like, oh, but I can't get the funding. Um, for me, I just went ahead and did it without funding. Um, but ultimately, the vast majority of funding comes from the government. Mm-hmm. So um, it's incredibly politically driven. Um, they... They will not fund this kind of research that falls outside of the materialist paradigm. So, and it's really about like this research and a lot of this um, these practices and these experiences empower us. And the last thing I think that um, some governments want is the people to have power. All right. um, so this really this materialist paradigm is is helpful for governments in that sense to to keep us focused on. Material things, um, and to not really become empowered and connect with like our higher selves, and um, and to be more heart centered and compassionate, and to stop putting our money into taxes that support killing people overseas and and these kinds of things is greater awareness that sure. they would prefer that we probably didn't have. Um, of course, there's great people in government, but I just mean the system as a whole, mm-hmm. as this kind of entity. Um, so yeah, um, very much politically driven. So a lot of people that. Um, want to do this research, they get private funding or they get gifts from people. So the Templeton Foundation is great. It's hard to get funding there, but they specifically um, fund research on spirituality and spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. So of course, all of us are trying to get <laughs> Templeton funding. And um, But I, I think for me, I'm going to release a crowdfunding campaign um, in the future to try to get funding yep. uh, because I think that's probably the way to go mm-hmm. um, for this type of research. So I'm going to pursue that hopefully in the future um, because this is what the people really want. Mm-hmm. Um, the people, If the people knew the type of research that was getting funded and all the, the oh money going geez, into that, yeah. they would be outraged. Mm-hmm. You just have to go to like a big conference, uh, uh, Society of Neuroscience, for instance to see the billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that go into the void basically yeah. because they're studying something that's so insignificant. Right. And right. they've convinced themselves that it's significant because so their job yeah. depends
0: on it. Right, absolutely. Well, and that's this is this is a, a kind of a point that I think sometimes brings like empathy to everyone when we when we look at like how sometimes we hold on so aggressively to our ideas and to you know like even going back to Michael Schumacher for a moment and it's like you know I had to think about myself like if I don't take what he did personally in a sense of like if I don't you know he doesn't he probably wasn't attacking me like specifically but more so when I look at it from his shoes he's probably thinking you know I'm this I'm I I have a magazine that is like massively huge I you know it's it considered a journal in many cases I have um you know, done all this research over my life, my, the view of p- who people think I am is this like rigid scientific type individual. So when you break that down fr- from a very just like simple human standpoint, his ego, his identity, you know, everything he knows about who he is, what his wealth and what his, how his house came about, how his family is supported, all these things in his mind are all me maintaining this idea of who mm-hmm. I think I am, right? And this is a challenge so many people face is like, they're not just changing their mind about something, you know, they're potentially in the way it looks because our mind gets afraid of so many things. And Mm -hmm. we like start to fear so many things. We start to think, Oh my God, my entire world is about to collapse. And what that looks like is everything that built what I built, I feel like it's, you know, it's uh, about to collapse and it's Mm going to be all gone. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: preserve that as much as possible with this aggressive, behavior and defending your programming um and that's why I think it's so important to I mean just teach children from a young age how to calm the mind and Mm -hmm. connect with a higher awareness um, because then you you don't identify with the body and you you know your history in the mind you identify with a bigger consciousness a bigger energy and so like little shifts in how you view the world don't ultimately like destroy the foundation of your life and and yeah that's probably why a lot of people are resisting um this post materialist program for um, sure if you will uh, like identity preservation and um and i think like when that starts to shake maybe a little bit um having support is really really important and that's something that social media has provided Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a lot of people like jump on the like awakening train or you know and and they're like oh help like i don't know what's happening and and it's helpful to have that support online which for me was really helpful uh 10 something years ago um when i was surrounded by materialist scientists and um feeling unsupported i guess Mm -hmm. and uh and then going online and finding all these people and you guys and like holy shit like there's a whole world out there of people that are experiencing this and and are really in the right place of like just wanting to make the world better wanting to reduce suffering wanting to understand ourselves more mm-hmm. to make a better world there's so much suffering we know that it's like there's no need for this anymore yeah um, we have the resources to support everybody mm-hmm. and this outdated view of the world is um, is I think the reason for a lot of problems in the world For sure. Um, and so once we we connect with uh, this greater reality and um, compassion and love and understanding, then we can start to like build bridges with um, with any so-called enemies and start to come to an understanding of our our inherent oneness really mm-hmm. um, we're we're one being split into all these different beings to experience um, reality and and ultimately yeah uh, research shows um, that there may be this one mind of which we're all part and I was just about to ask you that question. You know, you
0: made a big statement by saying, we're this one being, right, Right. broken off into this stuff. And And I was
1: like, that's pretty big to say. (laughs) No, but that's,
0: but that's, that's, that's what, you know, expanding this whole thing is expanding our consciousness about is Mm -hmm. having these types of conversations. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I imagine a lot of people listening right now that this would be, you know, they're probably privy to this, you know, uh, sort of thing, but. A lot of people in the, we'll say the general public that don't really look into a lot of consciousness-based stuff or things like mm-hmm. that, you know, they just don't realize that there's actual science to support so much of, you know, the things that you just said, for example. exactly um, From your experience, like what what would you, you know, call to in terms of, you know, literature that uh, supports that idea that, you know, we are all connected and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we may all be part of one consciousness if you will
1: yeah well there's quite a few streams of lines of evidence of that um, I would like mediumship for example um, so there were a lot of studies in the late 1800s uh, on mediumship and um, it was a very unfortunate time because there were a lot of fraudulent people at that time and so it was so called discredited um, people were just trying to their ego wanted to be mediums I guess and they wanted to um, perform this like performance of medium in these seances and stuff um so that kind of closed the door of that but recent research with mediumship has um has shown that indeed accurate information um, about deceased loved ones is coming through to the medium and being relayed to um to the receiver and this is with like the highest um rigor that you can you can have so Everyone's blind. The, the interviews are coded. Um, this is Gary Schwartz and Julie Beischel's work, by the way. Um, and so there's evidence showing, okay, they're receiving accurate information. So the way that this is interpreted is either the individual is communicating with the medium and they're giving them accurate information, or there's a database of all information that we have access to. Mm-hmm. So either way, there's an interconnection. There's a greater mind. Um, so there's the ability to communicate either um, directly with the individual or there's this database of information or Akashic records or whatever that is non-local that we can tap into. So that's one line of evidence. Um, Also just spiritual experiences themselves of of people that have practiced meditation. I mean, thousands of years of, um, um, for instance, Buddhism and Hinduism, they would say is a science, not even, not a religion. They've been studying this. Um, And people that have similar experiences of this transcendence, and merging with like what they would call God or the one mind or um, transcending the ego self. And in this non-local space, <laughs> um, all of this like deep wisdom, knowing and love is present. Uh, it's an expanded state. So it's a larger mind that people tend to be connecting with. Um, so there's there's just the practice itself. And then the literature showing that um, when you do these practices, you are uh improving your well-being your quality of life your health gets better you live longer um so there's there's clear benefits to connecting with this this potential one mind or this greater consciousness and and any um of the energy medicine and all of these lines of evidence um, past life memories um connect to this idea of like we're all connected in some kind of higher consciousness that we all have access to if we're in the right kind of vibration mm-hmm. um so yeah and larry Dossey has a great book called the one mind yeah. um, where he goes through a lot of this and and the earliest researchers in in psychology and nikola tesla and their idea was that there is this greater mm-hmm. greater mind i think um aldous huxley called it mind at large and that the brain is really just this antenna that's like filtering this consciousness in different fragments so that you experience like a subjective self yeah, um, and then when the brain no longer functions then we can potentially we do merge with this this one greater mind um, where all of our potentially past life experiences are all of our loved ones we're connected with um, and a lot of a lot of um, deceased people, when they come through mediums, they say, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. So they're not missing us right. because they're in the one mind where, where our higher self is hanging out with their higher self is basically. <laughs> and we're like, oh, but you're not here. And I miss you. And, and they're like, I'm always with you. And yeah.
0: <laughs> so well, This paints an interesting picture of like, you know, when you start thinking about like, because uh, I, I feel like we're obviously moving to it from a space where we're, primarily mind-dominant, right? Humanity's been living in a space where you know we think we're our mind materialistic science points to the fact that consciousness is created in the mind and that everything is there and once that mind dies it's over, right? Right. And yet you know whether you want to say Eastern religions or aspects of spirituality or what you want to look at, it it kind of talks a lot about the heart and it talks a lot about how there's an existence uh, of a deeper aspect of ourselves or soul or spirit or however you want to say it, higher self, Mm -hmm. that exists either in or through the heart, more so, I think, through the heart and Mm -hmm. and, and as a a receiver of information from Mm -hmm. this space. And, you know, that makes you think that if we're going through a shift, which is like kind of the core of our message, but if we're going through a shift, we're moving from the head to the heart, right? Thus realizing that this entire time, Mm-hmm. There's been this other aspect of ourselves that we've just been blocking out. It's been there. It's not like it's suddenly being awakened. It's been there the entire time. Mm-hmm. We're just not tapping into it. And we have it. the
1: conscious choice to go into to that go space or not. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. right.
0: So we we think about you know you were you were saying how we almost uh, we get into the space of, of suffering and, and sometimes even victimhood when we lose someone a, a loved one and we're like oh my god you know all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and that, that makes you think it's a very real thing to experience it's a real real thing to think about it's a natural aspect of our life through our our mind-driven world where we're thinking my friends are gonna die my, my family's gonna die my some of my family may have already died you know and but it makes me ask the question like what do you think the world looks like on a day-to-day basis on, on dealing with these sorts of questions, these sorts of feelings? When we truly move, not only from a theoretical point of view, past the materialistic world, but even from a practical point of view, and this is commonplace, mm-hmm. what does that world look like? What are people going to feel like?
1: Oh. Well, based on the research, being having spiritual practices and being more spiritually oriented or post-materially oriented, um, Increases well-being, it increases health. It produces longevity. Um, so right off the bat, people are going to be in a greater state of wellness, um, and I truly believe suffering would be greatly diminished because once we we establish okay, there's data for this, um, we can start to hone in on how do these practices work and how can we. Um, do them ourselves. How can we teach mediumship? How can we stay connected to loved ones after they've passed so that the conversation can continue mm-hmm. so we don't have to have this great sense of loss? Um, so I think like that's incredibly important. And I see through understanding about our interconnection too and increasing compassion, um, we're going to be less like us versus them and more mm-hmm. us, <laughs> right? Um, and so that should hopefully stop this us versus them mentality that propagates wars. And um, uh, so I see like huge, glo- just complete global transformation from from this perspective, um, where people are. There's the veil is thinner yeah. between this materialist world and you know material, seemingly material world and beyond beyond the veil or beyond to, to where um, the greater reality is. Maybe a more, um, the real reality as some people <laughs> describe when they have a near-death experience or have some psychedelic or spiritual experience, they say, oh no, that's the real world. <laughs> this yeah. is just a game, this is just a lesson, this is a school. Mm-hmm. Um, so to like bridge the world, I think would be so important. Um, people can connect more with their intuition, which is an important navigating tool. And really, just living a more holistic, happy, good life and treating animals better and like no longer turning a blind eye um, to what's going on in the world because you got to make ends meet or, you know, and treating each other better because there's going to be consequences, not because there's some judgmental figure that's going to punish you for your actions, but because you have to carry that with you. Absolutely. So it's like, oh, whatever, who cares what I do here? Because. I'm just gonna die anyway, right. you know.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> just bomb all these people because I want money. I want my oil money because yeah. materialism. Um, and so, um, oh well. When you die, you might have to face that and experience that. Sure. So, um, people will behave hopefully a lot, a lot better to each other in a genuine way, not mm-hmm. because of like fear of punishment, like like religion might do, but but genuinely wanting to be at harmony with others. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we do to others, we do to do to ourselves and i often think of this like world sometimes as an experiment of how do we treat ourself when we forget that the other is us
0: for sure and like it's
1: a lesson in Mm self-love
0: because then there is no distinction totally so totally that's a great way to put it um i you know people always ask the question and it relates so much to what you said it's like They'll ask, you know, how are we gonna get everybody in the world to think like you? Like that's what they'll say to me when I suggest something. And I'm like, I'm not trying to get anybody to think like me. I'm trying to get people to stop thinking so much. It's it's more so <laughs> yeah. when you're in a state in being and when you're in a state of consciousness where you live through your heart, you don't have to think, hmm, what should I do in this situation? You already know the answer because exactly. you know that it's through harmony, it's through peace, it's through something that is because that is you know, like we, we primarily live in our world off of belief systems. Mm-hmm. Our world is what we learned in school, what our parents taught us, what we think yep. morals are, what we think values are, what we think this is, whatever. And it's not like we cast, you know, all those things to the wind in the sense of like we're going to be terrible each other if we don't live by those things. It's more so you no longer need to think through that exactly you just be through a space that knows what harmony and knows what respect is and you know it's funny the example i was giving um earlier you you brought up animals um i was like you know we get so upset right of the prospect every halloween that someone may poison the candy or may put a razor blade or something in the candy and and fairly so nobody wants to see people get hurt however you have people like poisoning animal like here in canada we have have a lot of canada canada geese right and people will run them over with their cars because you know because they shit on you know the boulevards and on the different parks and stuff and they get so upset so you have people running over with cars you have people like putting uh, antifreeze in the bread and then feeding them like all these different things and i'm like nobody's losing their shit about the way we treat an animal but like we lose our minds at the prospect not even that it's happening yeah. the prospect yeah. that it may happen this year
1: yeah it's a small circle of compassion Absolutely. that we tend to have and um, and a big outrage was with the C- cecil the lion when he when he mm-hmm. got killed or it was he yeah because it's this majestic animal that everyone, yeah. like, they watch Lion King. Yeah. Oh, no, you killed Mufasa. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like It's like this programming. Well, what about the billions of cows every yeah. year that are, like, Chickens. being, yeah, yeah, more than just shot, like, tortured, legit. Yeah. Um, and this idea of the one mind, I mean, there's studies with animal communication. Um, and, like, I've had experiences with animal, com- animal communication mm-hmm. that suggest that, like, this one mind... Maybe there's different levels, but it's not limited to the human mind.
0: Absolutely, it, it
1: contains all be all sentient beings. All- and this, yeah, materialism has really, um, really, I think, contributed negatively to our treatment of animals because there's a lot of people that still believe that you know our brains are superior. We're the only ones with consciousness, mm-hmm. and some people think they don't even feel pain. And That's I think silly. I think it was just ruled in somewhere in Europe. D- yes that animals don't feel pain and they don't have emotion mm-hmm. so let's forget about these regulations
0: yes i can't i cannot recall it and then uh, interestingly enough i think it was a couple years ago i want to say costa rica i could be wrong but there was something having to do with they they stopped all zoos mm-hmm. and they also ruled and this one wasn't costa rica i want to say it was somewhere. It's making me feel like India, but I'm not sure if it's actually India. It's um, where they ruled like um, animals do have consciousness, and therefore there's certain I things now was, that can't be. I think be done.
1: India, well, yeah,
0: yeah. Something to that. Maybe Thailand? There's something.
1: There's a few things like that going on. I mean, I, I've read that they. Was it India? That said dolphins are now. Yeah. like non-human persons uh-huh. i mean their brain's more complex than For ours sure. they have an incredible language they talk about people that aren't other dolphins i mean that
0: aren't there yeah. like they'll gossip For sure. I mean, yeah and oh and the fbi or the cia I, I recall which one right now i'm forgetting a lot of things today maybe my brain's okay. going mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> but they used to do research uh, on dolphin and mm-hmm. uh, dolphins and uh, tre- te- teaching them language, and they got pretty far. Wow! Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, it's again, it's another one of those things. All these things that we respect, you know, the CIA, the FBI, the mm-hmm. government, all these mm-hmm. things. What's funny is the amount of research, black budget research, they have done on remote viewing and psychic yep. warfare and you know uh, uh, psychedelics everything everything yeah um, and then yet we call it pseudoscience <laughs>
1: yeah because it, i mean it's it's and they're they're the very groups that would sponsor someone sure. attacking us doing the research um but they're doing it all Themselves. covertly yeah, yeah it's like they want to have ownership over it use it for malevolent purposes really mm-hmm. um spying on the Russians like <laughs> yeah.
0: all the old Russian enemy. That's yeah. always one of my favorites in US culture. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Russia's done everything. 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 I'm Icarus. late. It's Russia. Did you see that m- new movie, new documentary on Netflix, Icarus? No. It was oh my god. It was it, it's a great it, film in the sense of very well put together. The craft is great. You know, there's a lot of passion behind it. It was really cool. Um, but they painted Russia as like the only evil you know person out there only even like it was so damn it's
1: ridiculous and um, yet yeah
0: every athlete i can promise you in every country in the olympic not maybe not every country but in most countries is cheating with performance enhancing drugs right. you cannot limit this to rush it is so they prove in the film and there's you gotta this,
1: create this enemy you gotta <laughs> you gotta have this <laughs> us them thing and create fear in the public yeah it, it's there's well, always an enemy, right? For sure.
0: And that you know, that relates to um we saw it a lot with race back in the day and we're seeing a lot mm-hmm. still even now. There's a lot of racial wars and us versus them happening. Yeah. Um and it seems to be increasing in a sense. But now it's happening a lot with gender. Yeah. Where now it's men versus women and blah 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 blah. And like these circles and true empowerment happening. It's if a we, mess. Like, that
1: whole gender thing is a total mess. Oh man. There's like yeah women versus men and then oh but there are no genders and that's like what is happening (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's it's a very very interesting time and you know what it it calls for a lot of introspection because the confusion is so high and the lack of logic is so high Mm -hmm. Um, and it's showing that the mind is breaking down And now to get our answers, we have to come back to, like, the truth. We have to start looking within, right? Right, right. And that's a culture that, you know, I know you and I are both trying to create through our work. And I think that's really what it's all about is Mm -hmm. get people to turn within. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But you touched on animals Mm -hmm. and you touched on a personal experience um, that you had with animal communication. Mm -hmm. Care to share that?
1: Sure, yeah. So this story comes through um, doing Reiki as a practice, so um, in particular, distant Reiki. So it tends to be the case that um, when I connect to do a Reiki treatment or session, um, I use, like you said, the heart and the mind coherence together um, to, to, through universal love, connect with the individual and all the energies surrounding them to, do, to, um, to help with the healing or whatever they need to, to work on and heal. So that's just the preempt. Um, So this particular instance um, was a good friend of mine who she moved to a new city and her cat actually ran away um, before they saw the house. So before she even got to the house, the cat like ran out of the car or something. I don't know how it happened, but he never actually saw where they moved to. And this cat was an indoor cat, and he did not have any claws. So he was, unfortunately, declawed, which (laughs) is something that's changing now, too. Thankfully. For the better. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Um, So my friend, um, after about two weeks of him missing, uh, frantically messaged me, I think, on Facebook and saying, you know, she's also a Reiki practitioner. She's like, I've done the Reiki. I've worked with all the crystals. I've tried letting go. And... Like he's not coming back, and I don't know what to do. Can you help and maybe send some Reiki? And said, "Okay, okay. Um, I'll go look into it." And so I went to my little area where I'll do a Reiki session and um, started to connect first with her energy and and the situation. And immediately I saw all these images of the cat in like dying in various ways, so um, being pecked out by birds, starving. Um, being hit by a car, all these flashes of images. And I thought, wait, this is not, (laughs) this is not how this intuition works. (laughs) And he can't die all these different ways. Well, cats have nine lives, don't they? Unless, yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Maybe he did die all those ways (laughs) and parallel multiple realities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I was like, oh, this is like the level of fear. This is her mind. I got to get, I got to go higher than this. So I tapped into her and all of her fears. um, And then I just expanded my consciousness more and, um, All of a sudden, this cat um, energy came through and he was like, oh no, I'm having a great time, like you don't understand. I've been like inside my whole life. This is my first time out. This is an adventure. And he came across like super lively and youthful, even though he was um, he wasn't a young cat, but he came across like he was just having like a great time. Um, And he said, don't worry, the Blue Jays are feeding me. And and I just go with this stuff because like it's not coming. I'm not generating this. I'm, I'm in a clear state. I'm picking this up and I'm like, okay, just like keep going. It might not make sense at the time, but, um, and so I connect with these blue jays and they're like, oh yeah, we're helping this cat and, and we can show him how to get home. Like, you know, cause we can fly above the trees and we can see, uh, <laughs> see where he lives. And, um, and the whole area was surrounded by forest. So, which made, um, my friend extra scared for his life. Um, and so so he said well she's she's not connecting with me like here's the problem she's not connecting with me with her heart she's connecting with me through her sacral chakra or like attachment and need and um, insecurity and like she's you know almost vampiring off of him maybe um in a sense um so so the message was clear that she as hard as it can be when you lose a pet i can't even imagine um, that she needed to move into her heart and that's the connection that's what connects us with everybody. If you think of love, like what is love? It's it's the closest distance, like it you between you and another. It mm-hmm. binds you, um, and so being in fear separates you. Being in a, in a state of love can help um, forge that connection. And there's research to back that up. That emotional closeness, um, we're much more intuitive and connected, and we can influence each other's physiology to people that we're more connected with. Uh, depend, it doesn't matter the distance. Um, so, so that made her feel a little better, and um, sh- shortly after that, she got an email. Actually, right after I told her all this, she got an email from BlueJay.com, and uh, she was like, oh my God, I got an email from BlueJay.com. I did not subscribe. Like, where did this come from? And then I'm like, okay, good, like some validation. And then I go outside and I find a blue jay feather. I'm like, holy God, okay. It's like my first time finding a blue Mm -mm. jay feather. So I sent her a photo of it. And then the next day she found a blue jay feather and sent me a photo of it. So we had this like ongoing communication and trying to get her back into a space of like, connection so it's like oh getting these messages okay like something's happening here and and moving out of this fear into this into the space of love and about seven days later or so of these blue jay feathers going back and forth um she wrote me and said oh my god he's in the backyard um but he ran away so he he found where she was and saw her and then took off and so that made her even more upset because she's like why doesn't he want to be with me I'm like what's the problem and i'm like okay um, let's just okay at least he knows where you are so we're good we're good now just keep keep staying in a good space and and then this happened a few times he came and he was like I'm out of here she was trying to feed him and um and then she's frantic and she's like should I just trap him like I don't know what to do and and I was like well why don't you ask him what he wants and she was like okay and the message she said was clear and right away it's like he wants space so just acknowledging that minutes later she wrote me and she's like He's in my arms, purring, and I'm petting him like it's a miracle, unbelievable, like so amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I didn't set off to like communicate with cats. It's just like when you connect yourself with that mind through love, um, it's, you got to be in the right place. Love is is the binding force, as I think of of the one mind. It connects us all together. Mm-hmm. Um, all this information is there, like, oh, yes. <laughs> and once we start, if you're having a conversation with a cat like this, like how. Maybe it's the higher self of the cat or whatever, but gosh, it's like talking to a person.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, it suggests uh, a level of intelligence that exists within, you know, uh, whether you want to call it the ether, whether you want to call it right, the, all the yeah. connectedness, whether you want to call it you know the one mind, whatever. Um, you know, quantum I mean, the quantum field, yeah. the, f- the field. It's yeah. been called non-local
1: so many everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And but there's a there's another interesting layer of intelligence that. Um, I think is so interesting here and it's that you know sometimes when we when we talk about these for all kinds of purposes we'll call them just like abilities so whether it be psychic whether it be mm-hmm. i mean mediumship can sometimes be similar and mm-hmm. then, or whether it be like what you did there with with the cat um we always think about it in terms of solving an, an issue that we face so it's like well not always but sometimes we do so it's like oh my god a last cat the, the the solution is find the cat and we want to use it for that. Or likewise, a lot of skeptics will say like, well, you know, if you have the psychic, can't you just look up the, the lottery number right, winnings yeah. <laughs> for like next week and then play those numbers? It and it, it goes like back that. to the intelligence is it doesn't work that yeah. way, because it's not about that, because it's about something deeper, mm-hmm. which comes down to ourselves and our experience and yeah. learning.
1: Yeah,
0: You know, what what's your your feeling on that? How would you describe that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that it's, it's true. And that's what's made, I think, research in this area really difficult too. Um, I mean even all of these practices yoga um, Reiki it's like we want to control every little aspect of it like mm-hmm. like sham Reiki so it's all this but the energy or um, it's just it doesn't really work that way and sometimes when you try to put it in these little boxes it just doesn't it doesn't work mm-hmm. so you can't get the effect and it really needs to be kind of a it's a very oh it's a huge big picture and it, all of it is important and um qualitative data not just quantitative number data for instance is incredibly um, important but um, yeah what was the question
0: (laughs) no it's just the idea of like you know there is this intelligence Mm -hmm. right that Mm -hmm. exists within knowing that you know, there's a lesson, if you will, to be learned by the individual, and thus that individual, it's like, you got to learn the lesson either way, and sometimes Mm -hmm. these intuitive practices can help us get to that second and third and fourth layer of why something is taking place, as opposed to just, solution is, got to find the cat. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and that's why, like, these practices, doing them daily is so important, so they can, like, guide you throughout your day, not just like, oh, something's wrong, I, I I should meditate, or... Oh, you know, yeah. I Need to find my cat. Let me go get Reiki and like, right? Um, and yeah, it's it's incredible how the information comes through, and it's filtered through our own ways of understanding. So um, I can't think of a, like a good example, but it's it's often through symbols. Yeah. So it's like um, some uh, psychic might um, hear a certain song. Um, during a reading and for her that song meant her brother like it was her and her brother's song so oh do you have a brother who's passed right like so it's really super interesting filtered through the individual and their own experiences and language and um, it's quite incredible and we don't even like we're not even close to understanding how this happens
0: at all Um, and the question is though do we do we fully need to to understand that it's it's very real and and because i think this is an interesting thing is it's like you know um someone who may be a really good speaker can go into a room of different um, types of people or one day they're talking to people who are very logical and another day they're talking to uh, people who are less logical, more on the artistic side, but mm-hmm. you're spreading the same message but knowing how to relate it to those people. And there's, you know, that's like an intelligence, it's a skill. And it seems as though that exact intelligence, that exact same thing exists within this, this field in this ether and knowing, mm-hmm. like, I need to send this message. You know, And some people call yeah. that God, right? Right? Now, yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that word and, and associating it yeah, with Yeah,
1: the word has tons of baggage. Um, for me, it's always meant this higher intelligence. It's meant all of existence, really, to me, Yeah, God. Um, and uh, it's so funny. When, when I was younger, I went to Catholic school, and we had a ridiculous exercise where <laughs> I think I was like grade three or four. And the teacher said, okay, everyone, get out your piece of paper and your pencils and pencil crayons and everyone's gonna draw god and i was like oh wow okay so i'm like smart enough to be like okay so everyone's gonna draw like a bearded man right right okay what am i gonna draw and i drew like the weirdest thing the teacher must have been like what the hell is this (laughs) i drew a light Uh and then i drew a goat like baphomet
0: holy shit!
1: right so that's like isn't that like crazy that
0: is crazy especially with, <laughs> it's from a symbolism perspective and I'm like outside.
1: there has to be a goat here and yeah it's the light and the dark right like wow. the non-dual the all things that and like it's crazy I don't know, she never gave me feedback on that but it's like smart enough to be like okay they're all gonna draw like a dude like right. white beard yeah, Santa yeah, Claus yeah. like yeah. but what really is that and I'm like well it's a light but then I wanna draw and it was intuitive yeah. I wasn't like I'm drawing Baphomet because God is the light and the dark and right. Baphomet represents the dark side and right. like it was just like, but it's the light, but it's also this. Right. So, and this
0: is this is an interesting thing, and this is uh, one of those, like, uh, things that still exist. I wrote a status the other day about evil and, and how I didn't feel it really existed, right? It's it's this idea that we have at a human level and um, that, you know, we need to classify something to feel comfortable. And so that's evil and that's terrible, yeah. and those people are just wretched people and above, mm-hmm. But it's like, really, how is it that, you know, God per se, could have screwed up and <laughs> created something that that's evil if mm-hmm. God created everything, you know, and then there's obviously the story of, oh, the fallen angel, Satan, and right, blah, blah, blah. Right. He, he, gets, he gets the evil people going or whatever. But really, if, if it's all one and the same thing, right? And this is the, the interesting part of it, uh, going back to practicing versus knowing the information we we're talking about that a bit is like, if you practice the information that's known i e reason from even a spiritual perspective that like quantum physics has has shown us that not only are we you know creating our reality through our perception and understanding of things, but that also there seems to be this interconnectedness, this field that exists between all of us, and that we are it as well, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. We're not just tapping into that field that field is also who we are right. and if you were to practice that, you would recognize that you know there cannot be any evil because it is all the same thing. there's not some separate entity that says, exactly. you know, this is evil, right? Mm-hmm. It's our, just our mental perception, right? Yep. And that just pisses people off. <laughs>
1: <It's> <laughs> they just, want to, it's the victimhood mentality yes. that you mentioned earlier. It's like, I must blame someone mm-hmm. for feeling this way or my circumstance or whatever. And the mindless response is evil, you know, yeah. without really understanding and, and, I guess the first way to understand is like, oh, sometimes good people can do things that are bad and like you can't just label them evil, you know? Sure. There are moral paradoxes all the time and um yeah, it was that never made sense to me. Like how did God create everything but then there's Satan mm. and he's like evil. It's yeah. like um so Satan's part of God, like
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And and it's Control tactics, For political, sure. yep. hugely political,
0: keeping people divided and yep. upset keeping
1: and... people in line, following ridiculous rules that might not even make sense, and and um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think evil or darkness or whatever, it's just like separation. It's just it's just disconnection. Yeah. It's like, and I always think of like, well, light casts a shadow. Mm-hmm. All light casts a shadow, mm-hmm. and sometimes the brightest lights or the brightest lights cast the darkest shadows and Mm -hmm. there's this duality that we can you know experiment with with our own mind just by transcending all of this for sure and maybe that's part of this gender duality non duality non-binary is like people are starting to maybe like approach some understanding of duality and they're trying to like transcend it but not really understand
0: how yet yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, because that's ultimately the i guess the course of everything here is i mean we're not going to solve our gender issues we're not going to solve our race issues we're not going to solve our whatever issues until we realize that it, it's it's unnecessary it's, yeah. it's like not that they're oh there's no gender there's no this it's more so that there really isn't a difference between you and i and in, in a racial form or in a jet ge- where we identify yeah. so strongly with the material and with the details of our material that we get lost yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's just
1: close it's just a suit
0: that's it's like a, a suit, a suit
1: yeah. we're wearing and a vehicle and I, just like past life um past life research alone. I mean, most people they've been different races, sure. they've been different genders. They've it's, I, I it's many. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're just different cultural programs, That's different it. suits.
0: Different experiences. Different, for different learning. experiences, yeah. You know? And
1: that diversity is beautiful. Yeah. And I and I love that our planet is so diverse. And um they're all different, yeah, different games, different mm-hmm. suits, vehicles, different ways of experiencing the self with the capital right. S. Yeah. Um, and I think like maybe that's the whole the whole game here, is yeah. like when are we gonna clue in?
0: Well I think the beauty <laughs> of it is like with the with the heightened interest of extraterrestrials we we have this extreme uh, programming that's coming forth of all the gender battles, the race battles and all these sorts of things. And they're they're very timely because with the interest of ETs and wanting to make contact also comes forcing ourselves to have to Deal with these issues of we identify so strongly with 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 the physical that we're making up all these ideas about why we should hate each other mm-hmm. w- And we have to sur- surpass that in order to bring ourselves into uh, You know being able to communicate and face-to-face with yeah. other beings because yeah. then all of a sudden we'll just create like district nine You've seen the film terrible. District 9, yeah, right? Yeah. You know now the aliens were like these terrible things. And yeah, blah, 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 the, blah,
1: the right? latest enemy I mean the the Pentagon releasing these UFO videos, okay. I believe um, to the to the stars Academy or whatever. I think I think it's uh, I don't trust it I'll say that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the disclosure project and the hundreds of interviews from people that um, Have been talking about this for a long time. The story is quite different um, But they've actually changed the word. They don't call them UFOs anymore um, UAPs UAPs. And Tom DeLonge has called them UATs for unidentified aerial threats so uh, they're already saying it's a threat. It's a
0: threat, yeah.
1: Um, they want to, you know, weaponize space and all this right. crap. So one of the theories is that this is the the next enemy, the next great mm-hmm. enemy um, sure. that may promote greater control over us. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, we really need to <laughs> ta- to transcend all of these, like, masks yeah. that yeah. we're wearing.
0: For sure. I, I spent a bunch of time with Stephen Greer and... Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a good, he's a good guy. You could have just said that right into the microphone. I want to meet Stephen Greer. <laughs> That's what I but said. I whispered it. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Um, he's obviously been very influential in the field and, and done a lot of things, but w- we got to spend uh, a whole bunch of time just talking you know, one-on-one in a setting and, and just enjoying awesome. time. And um, one of the things that he did say, because we're, we're talking about all this sort of stuff, right? And, and we talked to a lot of different you know, being here at sea, we talk about right. different whistleblowers and people mm-hmm. and different stuff. And, um, you know, plus we have our own, we've been in this space for a lot of years. So we have our own experiences with things. Yeah. And, you know, the the idea was behind, you know, this Tom DeLonge thing. And this was the, one of the first conversations that I had had about it is he says, you know, it, it, there's, Tom doesn't realize it, but in some ways, right, and there's always a and in a, you know, sometimes an ups and a downside thing, but um, in some ways he is being taken, right, mm-hmm. and he's being used as a bit of a figure for something that he is very passionate about, yeah. but he's mm-hmm. going, you know, and I don't even know if I want to say this part on yeah, air, but yeah. there was an individual that was mentioned that's on his team where they, you know, I was told by them and, an, and another friend of mine, you know, really watch out for this guy. Because mm-hmm. all the research and all the years that these guys have been doing this work, they say this guy is one guy I wouldn't want to kind of associate with mm-hmm. or mess with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting yeah. where that's going and what's yeah. happening and... Um, yeah, I I love Stephen Greer. I think I
1: think he he really understands. I mean, he uses the term universal love, and this is yeah. how we can connect. And I mean, he he seems to really get it. And I mean, he's been doing. He's dedicated his whole life to this. He's had friends die, you know, supposedly mm-hmm. from doing this kind of work. And um, I always think he's an alien, maybe. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it, it's possible that there's there's influences. I mean, yeah, I know.
1: I, he's he's a contactee, right? At the yeah, very least, yeah, for sure, yeah, 100%. yeah I would I would love to go to one of his events. Absolutely, um, and he's got he totally has the right method for connecting with them. Mm-hmm. Like, get into the hard into space, that. totally, um, and and be discerning because you know some of these ships they are government ships. Absolutely. So.
0: Yep. Yeah, of, of all of them, of of all of the UFOs I've seen, I know for certain one of them was a government ship. And where was you just talking with?
1: Was it a triangle?
0: There was a triangle, it was red, right? Yep. The classic sort of thing. Um, the um, oh, who are we just talking to? Oh, uh, we were just at lunch before this, and uh, I, I got a little bit of soy sauce on my shirt actually. <laughs> um, but we're um, right at lunch, and. and um, Uh, my buddy was in Mexico and he was talking about how, um, he was experiencing an earthquake in Mexico, um, you know, hiding you know, in between the doorway sort of thing, but looking out Mm -hmm. of his hotel window Mm -hmm. and he saw a craft exact same, like, you know, the triangle craft with the red lights and then the sort of like almost like a bluish tinge down the, down the middle. And, um, I was like, yeah, that kind of matches so many of the military uh you know, that's the reverse engineer technology yeah, the military's been yeah. messing with, right? Yeah. And um you know, I, we were kind of throwing around the idea of perhaps it could have been, uh, you know, energetic weapons that right, were being yeah, tested yeah. and so forth, yeah, right? Because yeah. um, in Mexico, it's absolutely. normal. Their governments talk about, their news talks about ETs all the time. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of governments have, like, released all their files
1: <laughs> yeah. and, like, we're just waiting for America. And yeah. now America does it this way. And it's yeah. like, there are threats. Yeah. And, and they say their program started in 2003. It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> more like yeah. 19, like 1940 or, like...
0: Something. When the Nazis came over. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely.
1: When, the, when you brought the Nazis over with, yeah. <laughs> with their secret space program,
0: yeah. yeah no,
1: I mean, that triangle ship, oh, yeah. I've had dreams where I'm like, oh, no, not yeah. the triangle ship. Well, it's like,
0: red. it's kind of like the whole, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, the Americans were the first to go to the moon. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> a lot of the other research suggests that it was actually the Nazis that went yeah. with the bell crab. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's oh, my God, there's so much. That's a whole other topic. I know, right? I I can go on all day about ETs Mm -hmm. all day. (laughs) I wanted to bring something back up uh, that you mentioned earlier in the show and probably should have went into it at that time. But let's let's jump into it. It was a placebo effect. And um, this is interesting because um, in in the scientific, we'll say in the materialistic scientific world, it's viewed as almost an inconvenience. It's like, yeah. oh, God, you got a yeah. factor for the placebo effect, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, oh, you know, you have the efficacy of drug, and then you have, you know, the placebo side of it, and you mm-hmm. got to control it, whatever. But really, the placebo effect suggests something that is just tossed out the window in, yep. in that world. Mm-hmm. What is it suggesting?
1: Well, it's an actual effect. So it's it's used sometimes as like, oh, it's just placebo. Like, it's nothing. Like, right. it's no effect yeah, at is all. that's a joke. So it's an actual effect. And... um I guess, like, we most started learning about it with pharmaceuticals and needing to provide these sugar pills for a lot of these conditions and to make sure that the drug is actually um, effective. And uh, what I mean, what we find is that the placebo effect is most of the effect, especially with drugs that are related to um, psychological variables and also pain, which is heavily psychological. Pain is very psychological. Um, and so uh, Irving Kirsch at Harvard Medical School, for instance, has like dedicated his, to c- his career to exposing this, not only the placebo effect itself as a real effect, but the pharmaceutical industry trying to like shove this under the carpet because then they would lose a um, tremendous amount of money. Um, so he argues that uh, antidepressants, for instance, are um, at least measurably 80% plus placebo. And he argues further that it's completely placebo mm. so um often people report they take an antidepressant they feel better right away well it doesn't work for like weeks in the yeah. brain right yeah <laughs> so there's something there's some relief that's happening there and it's it's the power of our intention the power of our belief and our expectation to like be in control of our physiology um so You know, taking a sugar pill for Parkinson's, for instance, has shown that the brain starts reversing Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. It starts producing more dopamine um, with the sugar pill. (laughs) So it really like how much of our of our lives and our health and everything is due to our mind and our expectations. And and the dangerous side of that is the nocebo effect which um, is the opposite, which your belief systems and your expectations will do you harm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's incredibly hard to study because it calls into question ethics. Right. Um, So I ran a study, haven't published it yet, it was mentioned in the New York Times, but we haven't published it yet, Um, looking at the common cold and um, and this nocebo effect. So we did like a false diagnosis, it's called, Um, so we had um, people come into the lab and we took a saliva sample. We were dressed in like like medical professionals. So you have that white coat effect where like, oh, this is a doctor. And so we take a swab and then um, and they come in the next day and we say, oh, you know, we've analyzed your saliva and it shows that you're actually developing a cold. Um, but, you know, we want you to stay in the study because it's still important to collect your data. And so um, and then um, and compare that to someone that's not told that. So saliva samples fine, you know, no mention of it. And we found that a third of the people, which is a big amount with, within a week study, a third of the people that were told they were developing a cold reported getting a cold and all of these symptoms. Some of them had to miss work, school, they wow. didn't go to the gym. And when we debrief them and say, oh, that was like deception, their jaws drop like, no way. No, I got a cold.
0: And you got a beginning.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, and so we also see that basically what happens during this scenario or what I theorize happens in this particular scenario is that um, we measured that their immune system actually drops right after they're told this. So this fear kind of kicks in, right. which weakens the immune system. Then they go outside. Yeah. And they don't have the defense. Right. So then they end up like actually catching a cold. That's right. Um, and we didn't measure the rhinovirus. There's like hundreds of rhinos, rhinoviruses. So we didn't really look at that. Um, but really interesting study. And we tried to replicate it to keep, you know, it's, all science needs replication. Yep. So and then the IRB did not approve it. They won't approve it because it's too risky.
0: And so what is the IRB?
1: Oh, Sorry. Yeah, The IRB is the Ethics Review Board. Mm. Um, so they they take your research proposal and then they decide the risk benefit ratio. Yeah, it's like so that basically they said, well, this is too risky to subjects, and the benefits not that great.
0: What and
1: in- even though we ran it already and no one complained, you know, there weren't right. any adverse effects and the study worked, and they still they won't. They were like, oh, well, you better have a doctor present, and then we say that and it's not enough, and so um, it's it's crazy and um, it's really important because what. It, what it happens a lot is false diagnoses. Like it sure. happens a lot. All the time. Yeah. And also, all these side effects, which are effects, but side effects of drugs um, increase the likelihood that you'll have the side effects if Absolutely. you're told what they are. Yeah. And they've done a study, similar study, with peop- telling people they were lactose intolerant when they weren't, and then exposing them to lactose and they were intolerant to lactose. <laughs> wow. So, what we should be doing is studying this effect. For sure. Instead of like, It being like you said like a nuisance or a pain and like we must control everything for placebo and like well what is placebo and people bring this up a lot with Reiki like oh that's just placebo and I'm like okay well first of all placebo is an effect (laughs) so something's actually happening second of all no we've done like placebo-controlled studies so you know real Reiki is superior to placebo Reiki which is still somewhat of an effect so Mm. it's yeah It's ridiculous. Wow. It's ridiculous.
0: It's interesting because, you know... It goes back to the idea of, you know, obviously we wouldn't want to live in a world where it's like if you, if you felt all the time, oh my God, like I'm going to, if I'm going to get sick or whatever, let it die. And we, if we knew publicly that that effect was going to be so strong, right? And suddenly like all you did was think about um, getting sick and you'd get sick. Yeah, like I that. better not think about this. Right. So I'm going to get it. But there's there's so much to it. There's, there's also the, the, the authority figure of a doctor who mm-hmm. you witnessed doing a test. And mm-hmm. who, when you add in all those factors, the brain makes it more real right a
1: physical sample yeah
0: right and it makes it more real and and it's like so i think obviously from an ethics review board i mean to me they're shutting it down kind of sounded ridiculous because it's like again it's like how like you act all like oh science is so like you know oh great but then like your responses are so primitive like it's Mm -hmm. like Mm-hmm. like come on um and there's tons of research where they're shocking people and like doing yeah. all
1: kinds of crap that yeah, does not benefit absolutely. them except they get
0: like 10 bucks
1: yeah exactly
0: so. or like take this like experimental pharmaceutical and it exactly have, and it's yeah. like i i've heard people getting like, or really lobotomies
1: sick. or like all of these things that like it's crazy used to practice that didn't seem to require all these strict criteria yes. but you you try to investigate something outside of the, the current paradigm, mm-hmm. and there is resistance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, hopefully that world's changing. You know I, mean? I think it is, yeah. It, I yeah. think so. I think it is, too. Yeah. I think it is, too. And, <laughs> you know, work we're doing, work you're doing, work lots of people are doing out there. Uh, yeah, and there's it's, more
1: and more of us. And, and importantly, we're all coming together um, under this. Thankfully, we have this label that helps, post-materialism, which just means after materialism you know it doesn't mean that we've we all agree that life survives death or all it's just like let's allow the investigation of that for (laughs) sure let's at least allow the study of these things
0: well that's the thing is like if you're so sure about something you shouldn't be afraid to explore the other side of it and exactly you know that just goes to show how unsure we really are and then potentially how threatening it is to everything we've built Right, exactly. which is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean everyone's gonna die. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, there's a lot of there's a, like we discussed earlier. There's there, we're gonna be thriving at the end of all of this, and yes. it's gonna be yes. significantly
1: huge growth period for humanity. Yeah, for sure, it's
0: gonna be an incredible world. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, it's know? been
1: great. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no problem. Love coming by here. Oh yeah, anytime. <laughs> now that you're closer to the area, anytime yeah. uh, you know. Come all right. down. we'll do some stuff i'll be back that's it that's all any last words right. any final things you want to share
1: oh just uh just gratitude for you and collective evolution uh you you guys are just amazing you've made incredible impact i go all over the world and i mention, you know oh you've heard of collective oh yeah 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 so i mean you're truly global and uh representing this like movement in an incredible way awesome thank and you so much. thank you so much
0: Mm, likewise and i'm sure when those people say like oh yeah i've heard click of click that pseudoscience website yeah, yeah. <laughs> no these
1: are people i already know that you know they're yeah. not Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're open they're yeah. intelligent yeah awesome
0: well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom your experience everything uh that you've been doing and uh yeah we'll thanks definitely so do it again sometime soon
1: thanks a lot all right
0: All right, that's all for today's episode. And once again, be sure to go and rate and uh, comment on this podcast, you know, our our entire show as a whole. Let us know how we're doing, what you like about the show, um, what you'd love to, you know, to see changed or improved upon or, you know, what guests you might be interested in. Um, We have tons of people lined up, but we also want to hear from you guys and we want to serve you with this information, right? That's what this is all about. Um, But yeah, be sure, hop on iTunes, rate this podcast, let us know how we're doing. And uh, as always, spread the word you know get it out there as much as we can Um, you know as you heard from this uh, particular episode there's a lot going on in the world and there's a lot that um, we need to kind of work through and push through and break through when it comes to a lot of the you know materialistic science side of things and and how uh, much that's kind of holding us back just living in that world and the more we continue to expand our consciousness and open up to um, what's truly possible and then do the work, do the internal work to get ourselves there, you know, develop the practices, all that sort of stuff. You know, we got a lot of courses and stuff like that to help teach that. Um, but yeah, let's let's make this a practice. Let's make this something that we do. And that's really what's going to bring change on this world. So uh, we're all part of that. Getting the word out is a big part of that, right? It feeds our minds. Anyway, this has been Joe Martino once again. And thanks so much for tuning in. Take care.